0: Welcome back to the TNG Golfcast, uh, we're on episode 11, and uh, of course again joining my co-host Tom.
1: How we doing folks? How are you this week mate? I'm alright, the back's still holding up, it's it's still in one piece.
0: Well, that's good news anyway, <laughs> Jesus Christ mate.
1: Right, Aye, because I'm trying to start organising a bit more golf now. So. Oh, we are talking about it, haven't we? Um, uh, yeah, we're going to try, try and get some opens in maybe this year, yeah. this summer. Episode 11
0: and this week we have a bonus episode for you and it's a guest episode and this week we have former golf coach at That's St Andrews Lynx Junior Golf Association, please tell I that's right. That's
1: right, well done. I can't get that one right.
0: Uh, (laughs) Past captain of the very prestigious St Andrews Golf Club and of course, father to my co-host on my left here, Tom, we have David Edgar. Hi dad. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you doing, mate?
2: I'm fine. Yeah, good.
0: Thank you very much for joining us. You get a mention every week, every fucking week. That's because you, you keep bringing up Nick Faldo. Yeah, but Faldo's mentioned after you saying, "Well, my dad." Well, my dad.
1: Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> but when I speak about golf, <laughs> yeah. the main person who got me into the game, well, and me as well, got me obsessed with it. Yeah, is just dad. think how much more money you both have if you didn't get into golf. <laughs> no, nah, it'd end up in the pub or with cigarettes. Because <laughs> I'd need some other vice.
0: Yeah, so thank you for coming on board for this episode, mate. I appreciate it. And basically always as like I said, you are mentioned every episode. You're the big influence in our lives for golf. Um, you got me into it. You got Tom into it.
1: We just wanted to pick your brains. And uh There's not much of them to pick go <laughs> for it. I'm glad you said it. Because I'd just get lamped around the back of the head if I say it. Oh, there's
0: still time for the to telling.
1: hmm But yeah, so we're just going to pick your brains with your experience on it and, that and obviously let the listeners get a wee bit more of a grip of when we talk about you on the podcast, who you are. Let's get it on. <laughs> so, first things first, who got you into golf?
2: Uh, I think what got me into golf was a couple of schoolmates. Although my father played golf at the time in a roundabout way he um, never really encouraged me to play golf in fact when I started trying to play golf and nicking one of his golf clubs to play golf in the swing park was actually no good because he was left handed <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah that was awkward for me trying to knock it round the swing park between trees with a left handed golf club which I had to turn the other way and just try and play that way so um, yeah it was schoolmates really but it wasn't really a, a dedicated get out and play every week like some of the guys do now
1: So would you be like the rest of the, the kids up and down the country that it was more football that was probably
2: Yeah I played a lot of football I played uh, Hampshire County level at 15 I played in a men's team so uh, that was fine and then when I joined the Air Force I was still playing football at uh, station level and uh, had to go at command strike command but uh, that didn't really work out And then, uh, so I still played football at home when I went home at weekends, and then uh, played for the station second team. Uh, Then I did my ligaments in my ankles, so it really sort of like put me back to what can I do. So have I got
1: you to blame for all my injuries? <laughs> no, not in at all. The
2: all no, no, I don't think it was. Uh, I just think that was in your brain because you just uh, your brain was like, "He's bigger than me. He's not getting past." So and one of us and, is going to make a mistake. And the roast of Tom starts. Yes. Yeah, so yeah.
1: So when you were in the RAF then, is that where golf really gripped you more? Yeah, after my the first injuries?
2: my first year and a half in the air force joining is mainly you spent training. So uh, once i got through training and got to line them, there was a course. That the station had a concessionary rate on, so you know there was a couple of good golfers there at that time, sort of plus one one handicap scratch, which I'd never really had the opportunity to mix around. So a couple of times they'd take you out for a game, and that sort of like just got the the feeling of oh yeah this could be fun, maybe give it a go. But then back into another training course for promotion, so uh, it dropped off. And then I went to Scotland. Uh, based at RAF Kinloss, arrived there in 1983, and my cousin was a policeman in Elgin, which was about eight mile down the road. Good old shanksy. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Always take the piss out of him, shanks. Yeah, <laughs> you see him on every toilet seat going around the world. Yeah, and I've seen quite a few around the world. Um, so, yeah, um, Brian got me out playing, and then I joined the local club at Forres. Um, my first three cards, I should have had a 26 handicap. And of course then at the time it was maximum 24 and the handicapped secretary said no I watched you play one hole and you parred it so you can have 15 <laughs> 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 so it gave me 15 and then uh, there was a group of guys there there was like 10 local civilian guys I'll call them civilians they lived in forest and then there was like 10 R.E.F. guys on a Sunday used to get together and it was the old way so for every Two shots under par, you lost the shot off your handicap. Within this smaller range society, not within the club. The club still played formulated medals at the time. So I played in that one when I started I started off fifteen and I ended up the winter playing off three. Jesus Christ under their remit yeah yeah, yeah. And, then, yeah stop. and then you go back to April and you start off your handicap of 15 mm. and I thought oh great I'm gonna murder this golf course <laughs> and I don't think I broke 100 in the first minute. <laughs> <level. laughs> so obviously winter tees winter greens yeah. and the course playing a lot shorter it just sort of made you wake up
1: also a mental adjustment
3: as well
2: yeah definitely yeah but Forest was an absolutely fantastic golf course to be a member of you know they were very very friendly absolutely superb uh, you, you learn to mix with the the community, and you also learned to balance your golf and your drink. <laughs> very good. So, yeah, it was a good golf club, really good. Enjoyed my four years there. Uh, I had a very successful second year in there. I won the f- handicap competition in the five day open Fraser Cup. So, it was a, always used to go in there when I was back visiting, go and check the trophy cabinet, and make sure my name was. Able to be read. That uh, <laughs> trophy needs to be turned. It's just not slightly <laughs> the right yeah, But the good thing was they did spell my name right, which was even better. <laughs> and then with all my winnings that week, um, we just bought a house in uh, Forest, so it paid for all our bedroom furniture. So in those days, you know, to win 185 pound for a five that's... for a five pound entry fee, <instructors> which was and it was paid out in golf union mm. vouchers. Right. which all shops accepted in, the, in that day and age. So yeah, no, it was good. I had a real good time there, met a lot of good friends. Sadly, some of them have passed, but uh, yeah. Uh, and at that time, I would say 1983-84, every competition was posted in the P&J, so you had uh, press and journal for
3: uh,
2: the wider community of people. You had uh, male singles, males doubles, males mixed, and females singles. And between April and October, I think the estimated combined prizes community added together was just short of a million pounds. Oh, shit. Sure. In those days as well? And that was in those days, in 83, 84.
1: Just makes me feel
2: even shitter about my golf. <laughs> you, you, you could, some guys could play a weekend, they'd play morning in one competition, afternoon in another and then the same on the Saturday and the, uh, do that both on a Saturday and the Sunday and if they're on form picking up 400 quid and then if they played in a mixed competition plus they had a winter alliance winter alliance was absolutely fantastic £10 you paid to enter the winter alliance you played £3 in every weekend and you played the top 12 courses around Mauritius yeah, there's a lot of courses about that. Been, uh,
0: yeah. We went
1: through this last week, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we were talking about the top 100. And the best, best person to You got mentioned quite a lot, especially when we got to the, the Inverness area, because obviously you've played a fair few amount of golf around there. Yeah, the and
2: yeah, then, then I had my first ever golf lesson at Nairn Dunbar. Uh, was was, uh, I would say, let me work it out, roughly 25, 24 years of age, and decided I'd go for a lesson. And the guy there who had the old one metre wooden ruler. Right. And you used to think that I thought when I first turned up that was an alignment stick. No, that was a rap on the knuckles. Um, and he was in his... Was, was he an ex-teacher by any chance? Uh, like. No, no, he was, an, he was the, the local club pro. Um, he was out of condition, out of shape, but he could certainly hit a golf ball and he could certainly teach, yeah. But if you didn't do what he teach, you got hit with the knuckles. So On the third attempt he went to hit me in the knuckles, I said, if you hit me again, I'm going to deck you. Um, <laughs> and then we had a mutual agreement after that so I had three lessons with him, uh, didn't really work so then I just thought right I'll have a look at golf for myself, my own perspective and then take it from there. But when I obviously got awarded this first handicap at 15, 1984 I think that was, I left Forage playing off 5,
0: 1987. So that's, that's, I mean, the courses around there especially, the facilities up there, there's a lot, like Denmark.
2: Yeah I mean? I'd say they were very good especially um, they were very good in support of families so junior golfers that came into the golf club they were very good for that they had a good junior section in most clubs around that area. Um, Mouth had a really good junior section um, for Elgin. Elgin was an absolute brute of a golf course, still is in my opinion. It looks like, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough course, a tough opening par 4, really tough opening par 4, but yeah, quality golf courses. You'll, I don't think there was even, even when Hopeman was a nine hole golf course and they talked about turning it into 18, the the plans when they projected them to turn it into 18, everyone was like, yeah, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And it's, they've been really good. And the good thing is, I think as well, um, they they kept their prices for Golfers, they didn't jump out of the box. Some of them have, obviously, Nairn and that, but they're a reputation, reputation, there as well. You know, pop, pop they've up been, up. you know, Walker Cup, if you, hit, uh, you hit
1: the top 100 as well, and you're yeah. there regularly. You can kind yeah, you're of, right,
2: yeah. And obviously, just along the road from there now, is Castle Stewart. So, uh, you know, that's uh, we, we enjoyed that balance, day, didn't we? That's yeah. one of your isn't it? yeah. Heart Attack Hill <laughs> 13th. <laughs>
1: Aye, between the twelfth after the twelfth green yeah, and up to thirteen. The, yeah. yeah, it's
2: got a water station halfway up the hill. Yeah, you need
1: it. You need it. Unless you've got a go kart, a uh, caddy car. The but go-kart. even <laughs> yeah. well, a go kart engine would probably even get you up that hill. The yeah. caddy, the golf cart struggle. Yeah, no. So, so in in your opinion, then at that time when you were there, what was your favorite course, and what was the
2: best course you played? Um, favorite course, I'd say, was um, boat garden Everyone enjoyed going down to Boat Garden, uh, especially when you only pay £3 for the green fee. Oh, uh, uh, close, man. Uh, um, but I think <coughs> around the courses of there, I'd say, in those days, uh, Moriold was probably that or Elgin, I'd say. I, I enjoyed Nairn, don't get me wrong, but there was more features on uh, the, others. Uh, the other two. Oh, because they both parkland No. No, and Lynx and Elgin is the Elgin's parkland. Elgin's yeah. parkland, yeah. That's
3: good. So just at it just
2: on that one thing. on so in nineteen eighty three, when I went there, there was a thing called the Morrie ticket, which was the ten golf courses that signed up to, which was Elgin, Morrie, um, Hopeman Forest, um, Spay Bay, Great Golf Course and Hope, uh, Buckpool, Strathlene and and a couple of others that I can't remember at the moment, my age, memory goes, but What's my name? <laughs> you got one round of golf on each of those golf courses and at that time that ticket was £38. £38. Pound. Yeah, and in nineteen ninety-six, ninety-seven, I took a group of um, eight R.E.F. boys and eight Civilian, British Telecom, a friend of mine, Wayne Gates, his father, and a group of the, those guys all came up, and we played in the Mori ticket up there in 1997. That ticket then cost sixty quid, so ten golf courses at six pound a go, and that was between April and October. Mm-hmm. You could play one round of golf on that ticket. The sequence has changed now; yeah. you get a, you get a reduction on your green fees. But what an amazing opportunity to tour and play golf! in the late 80s, 90s.
1: Born in the wrong era mate. Oh
0: yeah, that's it, I think many would be here, yeah, yeah Yeah. So no. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So what's the, what's the reason behind that then? Obviously we're talking about getting places back then to places now, obviously
2: they've got inflation and obviously popularity I suppose with golf courses and… I think in those days, you know, my opinion would be that golf was built for the communities. You know, you, you had all of… all all of the the towns rippled into each other so Mm -hmm. it started in the June and it finished at the end of August beginning of September you could play an open competition start in one area in the county and just work your way Mm -hmm. right across if you had the time off you could play in an open competition all the way through the big big open competition to the five days.
1: I think the big issue as well just now today's golf a lot of it is always reliant on the visitors so you're, you're, you're getting your obviously your main market's probably here are the Americans that come across, and they don't tend to play a golf course unless it's a three-figure sum. They they seem to think that the higher the price, the better the golf course, regardless yeah. of what it may actually be or what it looks like, whereas we're talking, you, you mentioned talking, of you Now, Bout of Garden probably would be one that they would play because it's in the top 100. It's got such a great reputation. But even on a Saturday, it's about 70, 80 pounds for a round. Now, that's maybe quite a bit to some folk in this country maybe a bit more reasonable but if it was £300 the Americans would be going there straight away so like the Japanese that come across so I think golf clubs have had to change how they market themselves as well to, to golfers yeah
2: and I think the other thing with that I would fully agree with that the other thing as well is, is that the golfing community now has set itself that the survival of golf clubs is based on in, on income from on tourism yeah. yeah and that if you can project that you've got a really good income from that then there is an opportunity there for the locals to have an opportunity where their membership fee is covered to yeah, a degree yeah when you don't have a high visitor rate then you know your, me- your membership fees are, are probably a lot higher and then they probably start to drop out and yeah. lose people so well, we saw that during Covid times didn't we there were yeah. a, yeah. a few courses struggled. It's, it's, it certainly is a balance that has to be kept on by committees and it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one because then you've got members losing opportunities to play because you've got societies visiting and then we'll see how it goes from there but yeah that seems to be the problem
0: so go back to the 80s then I and mean, when you came into golf yourself um, obviously we've mentioned it every episode your main idol being Sir Nick but see for exposure to golf professionally how was it for you guys in that era?
2: Uh, right, my first visit to a, a golf course to watch pros play mm-hmm. was 1991 where was that? I was in Germany I right. uh, yeah, went to watch the German Open at Huberath. Um, Fowler wasn't playing that year but Sandy Lyle was mm. and mm-hmm. Greg Norman and others of that ilk, um, yeah and I, I, I actually think one of the greatest comebacks I've ever heard was Sandy Lyle on the I think it's the 15th hole there it was a par 3 and he air-mailed the green into about two foot high grass at the back and this guy just turned around and Sandy walked up t- to his ball he says, you'll never get it out of there. And he splashed the ball out with this high float f- flop shot to about two feet and tapped in for three. And the stare that he gave this guy <laughs> was just unbelievable. <laughs> then he walked off that green onto the... It was a par 5, 17th, I think it was. Just short of 500 yards in those days and age. And Greg Norman hit driver 3 woods, 30 yards short of the green. And Sandy hit one eye and one eye to 25 feet. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he, uh, he was... Certainly yeah. an awesome golfer, and I think Seve summed up when he said in the days, he said uh, if Sandy and all the top golfers were playing in the world, Sandy would finish first and he would finish second.
1: Well, even like, speaking again, we've mentioned his name already, Sir Nick Faldo, he's got his own podcast now that he started as well, he's had two guests on, and even he mentioned in one I think it was with the jack
0: his yes, first guest Jack Nicholson Jack Nicholson
1: fair enough you got a no, you got enough pull eh <laughs> but uh, he's saying there with Jack at the time that when he was coming through as a junior into just before the tours he and Sandy Lyle were round about the same time and they were the, they were the two best golfers in the country
2: yeah oh without well, a doubt and, the, and the, the British press actually sold Faldo down the river in respect to the way that they'd led him and Sandy to be total opposites and didn't didn't mm-hmm. like each other and that is just totally the opposite, you know. Faldo, I know, was the first to phone him and congratulate him when he won the Open and when he, when he did the Masters, you know. So Andy said, I've, I've followed his tailcoats because Sandy beat him into both of them.
1: But do you yeah. think that being the media and the media, the, the way that they are, they wanted to create a story there, not unlike in yeah, Again, yeah, not did, a few you know. years ago before he joined Liv they were trying to push this idea that Brooks Koepka and Rory McIlroy were at each other, and it was the this was the main rivalry that we were going to have in the game. So yeah, it, well, they did
2: that to him as well. You know, the Faldo was like when Fowler took the time out to go and rebuild his swing with Ledbetter, and they says this is an absolute disaster because he was playing well. He was always in the top three, five in the European Tour. You know, he had wins and quite a few substantial wins, high high wins, but. Uh, then he decides his swing wasn't robust and then he goes away and he does what he does and then comes back and then he wins three majors in British OpenS and then he wins the Masters. So you know, that to me epitomizes the level of golf that you can excel to if you want it hard enough. If you don't you can be good. Other times you can be mediocre and then you can be Our level. A good amateur. <laughs>
3: I'm
1: oh, sorry yeah. not our level then we're yeah. the one below that
0: yeah, <laughs> exactly, <yeah. laughs> we've been through a of so many levels this fucking game yeah, crazy. That's
2: it. I know, but yeah he's he just goes to, to me I think that it's I look at it in a similar way to school if you stick in at school you could come out with a really good well-paid job if you don't stick in at school you can still come out and get a job yeah yeah but it's just how level what level of job do you want to work hard enough to be at you know uh, and then anything in sport and I think that's one thing I think that most of us don't seem to understand is when these guys are on the golf course they're at work
1: yeah and uh, again a lot of the time we don't see as well off the course is the amount of work that they put in to their games behind the scenes
2: Yeah, they are hitting like thousands of balls well it's not just that well, if you look at Faldo for instance you know a lot of people said why did he get his knighthood you know he was a great golfer and he had a lot of wins and obviously the six majors but at that time I think he had 21 tour schools yeah around the world the amount of juniors that he introduced to golf, you know, and I've got a few guys in my club um, that would turn around and say that, you know, what they did from going to his tour schools and at junior level, um, Faldo actually set them on a path that they would enjoy their golf for the rest of their life. Yeah. So and then on the shirt tail of that you've got people like Monty did it and then you've got Paul Laurie doing it and everything. Well, they're that all that, for, they're
1: all at it now even well, the guys yeah but they've done it now. for the
2: right reasons yeah you know yeah, yeah. and you know they've had a lot of success out of golf and they're putting back into golf so yeah yeah, I like the guy one hundred percent so that's it we we'll
0: come with forward on a minute I was just going to touch back on to your time in the RAF um, and how you were uh, paid
1: to play golf <laughs>
0: basically a very resourceful basketball we'll say. Um
1: especially when you moved to uh, Lucas
2: well Lucas was <laughs> an, Lucas was uh, an aspiration for years you know you, you, if you start playing golf and you want to play in the home of golf then you've obviously got you've got to get based at RAF Lucas so you're only seven miles from the old course but isn't it a thing that
1: when you get promoted in the RAF you usually move to another state uh, like another area station.
2: yeah you do predominantly unless there's caveats did you get promoted it, it, at lucas i got promoted twice at lucas how did you stay at lucas well the caveat <laughs> the caveat at lucas is that if you do the due diligence and you have children that are in their education taking exams so i'm only here so that you could keep playing <laughs> golf <laughs> well, again you've got to look at that because then that means i had to project 17 years or 16 years in advance for that to uh get your mum to do the right thing <laughs> so, uh, yeah you know it, I said to her you know we obviously have to put the bunk beds down soon and start doing this so yeah that's enough of that point. yeah but no yeah I got promoted twice and managed to stay at Lucas I ended up doing 12 years back to back before I left the Air Force um, but 27 years I had a great time played a lot of golf a lot of good golf courses um, what would started to you um well we played a lot of golf in the Lincolnshire area because the main hub of the Royal Air Force was around that area but um golf in Scotland we the rush championships were all around the south of England uh, around that area and then one year they came to Scotland and uh, it was yeah most of the golfers said that it was probably one of the best courses that they'd ever what come course up to did you play? play? Uh, I believe it was played at um, I'm going to say Marisha but I can't to this moment remember um, I mean old, old Morrie, Потому- but um, but um, I actually didn't play that year um, but the one the best one I played on was Swanton Sands down in Devon yeah that was that was a tough golf course and, and those golf courses in those days, in the the sunshine when we used to get real summers. Yeah, that uh, was hot-baked greens were grease lightning. Yeah. Yeah, tough, tough course. Woodall Spa as well, which is uh, quite a famous golf course. It's got a lot of good um, high-level British Amateur Championships there. It's the home of English Golf Union. Um, Yeah, Bramson course, tough golf course. Lots of bunkers. I think it had more bunkers than days in year. <laughs> yeah, and a lot that's of, a way to
1: describe it. And,
2: and a few of them were uh, old bomb craters. As oh, well, yeah. Um, late eighty-seven to ninety, I was at, in, based in Norfolk. I played at Hunstanton, and I've always said for the three years that I played at Hunstanton, they probably the finest greens I've ever puttied on oh, wow. ever. Uh, we used to joke with a pro and a head greenkeeper there. They don't cut greens there, they iron them. And snooker tables aren't quick in comparison to Huntsdanton greens.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I don't putt there.
0: Yeah, so is it, is it mm-hmm. the truth then that you moved your family out of a certain part of Fife through St Andrews for the putting your case forward to join the golf club?
2: No, I was already a member of the golf club. Oh, yeah, right, okay. Fair uh, enough. I, I was already a member of the golf club, but uh, obviously. To get a cast iron solid guarantee of a links ticket yeah. at a links ticket rate of being a, fight, a member of the, uh, the town, yeah, 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 then yeah, it worked out better, beneficial, and also at that time as well, um, Thomas got uh, free golf. What well, well, I say, free golf? It was twenty five pounds for Thomas while he was in school, yeah,
3: till, till the he, age of sixteen.
2: Age of sixteen. So, uh, and then obviously at that time, the early birth of soldier was happening as well. So. Mm. Uh,
1: yeah, it was quite a bit of a buzzer in the time. At the time, at the time. Yeah,
2: it happens, was. Yeah, yeah. The, the aspirations of Salja was that, that at one stage in the future, at some time, at any time in the future, because it's still in operation, is that someone will win the Open and they will win from the grounding of Salga. So. Uh,
1: there's been a few close.
2: There's been some really I, they, good amateur handicaps come out yeah which I would say you know there's been
1: it. quite a few guys especially in the guys that I was at school with that went across the states on scholarships and that as well and for whatever reason it didn't it didn't work out but that's life in sport and whether you're golf football or whatever you can be good enough but there are other circumstances and a lot of luck that needs to play its hand at
2: yeah and I think that it's against. the one thing I think the UK hasn't got in place is decent scholarships for sport. They've got some, but they've not got the, the vastness or the quality and quantity that they have in, in America, for instance. Yeah. But the other thing I would say with them, and rightly so, America is based around your academic studies first, your sport is second. But when you go on a golf scholarship, or you go on a football scholarship, or whatever, sports, sports I think it needs to be slightly tailored. Yeah. and And that was the case, it wasn't. And then obviously then the American coaches wanted to get their teeth into, you've got guys arriving from Scotland with natural golf swings, shooting great scores, and they think they've got to tweak. Yeah. And yeah. to be honest, if you've got natural ability and you're shooting great golf scores, why do you need to tweak? No, I could do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you would, because you haven't got natural skills or tweaking. so.
1: I'm glad the roasting has gone to you now as well.
2: Oh, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Well, St Andrews has got one of the widest practice areas I've ever seen, and you can't keep it in play. So. We'll come at to that time when they call you later on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, go back to Faldo. Faldo,
0: sorry, quickly. What was it about Faldo that um, made you
2: idolise really? him, uh, do we? I mean, idolise him may be a bit strong, but you know what I mean? No, well, I, no, I, I, no it's not. I met him in, in St Andrews when he was doing a book signing, and he was. Basically, you wrote down on a piece of paper what you wanted him to put in the book. Right. So my was to Dave from Nick Fowler Britain's best golfer ever.
1: How did he um, get on my spelling that?
2: Uh, he didn't do too bad. Um, and then he said to me, "Are you serious?" And I went, "Deadly, you know, six-time major winner." Yeah. Um, but Fowler as I said, you know, you 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 you've got a good game. You're playing really well and then you take two years out to rebuild and you come back and the dedication that he did that with was the first year that he won the Masters they put something out at the end of it that they did a time analysis on all his golf swings for the full 72 holes across all the shots that he played and from the first swing to the last swing there was less than a uh, quarter of a second in the golf swing so You look at fitness levels that you see some of the pros now Mm -hmm. and the amount of work that they do in the gym. His approach I think was, yeah there was fitness but his was a mental picture of how his game was going to be. He used to say in his books and uh, he was obviously heard saying it quite a few times. He pictured his golf in dark rooms for hours and then he'd go out and replicate it. And he learned how to move a ball in any way shape or form. And and he could make a golf club do things. He could knock a six iron down to 130 yards. He could knock a six iron up to 190 yards. So when you've got that level of feel, yeah, you know the two iron that you hit at thirteenth on August Augusta, Augusta. was a peach one. Yeah. yeah. And now
1: it was good that they actually, obviously, with the lengthening in the hole this year, you got to see that shot so many times and hear him talk about it.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the good thing with him was, you know, he says, Yeah, but the difficulty was I was hitting a two iron from 212 yards and they're hitting a six iron. <laughs> so, uh, there's, just technology, there's golf balls, and the, there's the difference, you know. And I, th- I think that a lot of it is uh, is the, the fitness and the actual ability of the golfers now. I think the fitness and the ability of the golfers now is far superior to it was in the eighties. Yeah, the athletes now, isn't
1: there? that? That could actually be a really nice segue for where we were going to go with a certain topic. What do you think the main differences are then, from that generation or that era of golf to now? Do you think it's obviously?
2: I think it's more. Has it lost
1: something in some areas, but gained in others, or?
2: No, I think in those days and ages, golf was. It didn't travel as much you know they didn't have to travel as much or they couldn't afford to travel as much because obviously the winnings weren't as great so you know you were in in amongst a, a pool of golfers the top 50 say we say in Europe or in England or, or in the United Kingdom and they all had the r- same sort of attributes their physical appearances were all roughly around the same you know you could go and have a few beers in the pub before you or, or afterwards you know there was very few golfers went to the range in the late 80s, 90s, early 90s, and hit shots like they do now. Um, whereas the golfers now, it's so difficult to win. You know, so you could pick the top 10 and someone could come at you. You know, I think the last person that come from nowhere, out of nowhere, was John Daly. You know, late qualifier in and then walks the PGA. Yeah, and then never got picked for the Ryder Cup.
1: Yeah, That's... but do you think that was an attitude thing with him, or a, a, no, a, person- I I- a personality style? Because he came in and he was maybe the first sort of untraditional golfer in the sense that he came in, he didn't look.
2: Daily in those days was the brush into the Shambo of now, and in the when he was bombing it. And but the thing being at that time in the Ryder Cup, that particular next event that he could he should have played in, to be honest, in my opinion was. It was a bomber's course. It didn't matter what he did. It was a bomber's course. And he had a short game to die for. You know, He had no limitation on flop shots, bunker shots, or whatever. So it was an error for them not to pick him. But they, you know, that's it. They still
1: won it, though, didn't they?
2: Um, I can't remember. What year was that? I'd have to have a look.
1: Was it War on the Shore? Or it wouldn't have been Brooklyn? No, it wasn't Keogh
2: Island. That was, no. No,
1: earlier than that yeah let's have a look
2: oh well the Americans dominate at that point in the Ryder Cup they were dominating
0: yeah they were dominating so going on that then in your opinion that you've seen both sides of also your era and then the new our era if you like would you say the players from your generation are better golfers considering the equipment they used I mean the technology they didn't have compared to the golfers now is it easier now Oh, it's golf.
2: definitely easier now definitely easier now golf clubs are more forgiven well the, yeah everything's more forgiving the ball flight is so you know and to be honest you look at the lofts on some of the clubs that you would have bought in uh, 80s yeah, A seven iron was three degrees weaker <laughs> than yeah. what it is now so yeah. and I think uh, to be honest I think that's down to manufacturers for selling point you know why and I, I I came across it myself when I went in in for a a session with the new Titleist irons that were out. Um, I had a set of Titleist at the time and I got two yards difference on a brand new set of clubs between seven years old. And then I I tried a, a Mizuno iron and I got 15 yards.
1: But then you find out that your but my, degrees my, were about 2 degrees stronger, 3 degrees stronger. So you look
2: at it from a selling point. You sell someone a 7-iron and the guy's hitting a 7-iron 180 yards or he's hitting a 7-iron 150 yards. What set of clubs is he going to buy? And then when he's sitting in the golf club and the guy goes, yeah, I hit 7-iron 150 yards. You go, what? You hit, only hit it that. You know?
1: So, yeah, testosterone and ego goes hand in hand. Yeah,
2: and the other thing now in my days... You know, I've always been a high, high ball hitter. I mean, I remember my first R.E.F. lesson. I went to um, Carston U.K. Ping Centre. The Royal Air Force used to go there for a weekend, and um, there was an old pro there, Roger Jennings. He was an absolute stalwart of golf, taught in the Northumberland area. Seventy odd years of age he was, absolutely stalwart. And he watched me hit these clubs. I was hitting this shot, and he went, "Man, I have never seen a three iron go so high." He hits a
1: three iron higher than I can hit a wedge. Yeah.
2: I said, Yeah, but look how far it's going. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any difference. He said, Look how high it is. He says, You're going in with that club from with that height, it's going to sit down. And in those days, you know, that height wasn't a thing. Now you look at the pros. Yeah. Yeah. They're hitting, what, 190 yards with an eight iron. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. And the height that they've got.
1: So, so unbelievable. Quickly on that then, with obviously what's a bit trendy at the moment and been spoken about in the last few weeks, last month certainly, do you think there's a need for the ball to be rolled back then, if this is something that they're saying need to take yardage off so that they're not coming in with that eight iron?
2: I don't know, there's two ways you could look at it. It will still, no matter what we do now through the game, regardless, if you take the top hundred golfers and you look at their attributes and, and whatever... If you take 30 yards off every one you're just going to roll it back so it doesn't make any difference. If Rory gets rolled back from hitting an 8 iron to hitting a 5 iron it just means the guy that at 80 where he was hitting a 6 iron is now hitting a a, a 4 or a 3 iron or he's going in with a rescue so you haven't rolled it back any real way in in respect to how the golfers are going to perform
1: so the guys at the top are still going to have more control oh, over yeah the definitely coming
2: and in. they're always still going to have that advantage so and that comes down to two two or three different things you know ability uh, physical fitness and their ability to get through the ball better you take it for me i would tighten up the golf courses I think that if you look at most of how these pros perform in likes of the US Open likes of, then you need to say it's not the ball that needs to change, it's the golf courses. Um, The problem in that respect is to get a golf course ready for a top level you need three to four months. You do a serious amount of damage to the main users of that golf course which are the members and the visitors. And changing a golf course for that that particular aspect, so you change a golf course for a week,
3: yeah,
2: which isn't right. So we've got ourselves into an area of limitations. The limitations are going to be, they will tweak them for the pros, which is fine. Um, but we've done this in various areas. You know, Ping had square grooves, and back in the '90s, cost an absolute fortune for all the people that had those golf clubs. Then we had uh, spring effect in in the drivers.
1: You got hit with that one, I didn't got hit, you?
2: Yeah, I bought a brand new Taylor. Taylor made R seven, R seven, and then three weeks later it was banned. Yeah, that's uh, Yeah, it was. It
1: felt so That was at the time when they were. It was spring effect. So basically, the the face would obviously cave in a little bit more. It's almost like and a just Shoot effect. the ball f- so much further off. So they Over were, saying, the so they were yeah, saying that you were yeah. gaining
2: so you gaining an advantage over advantage. anyone else using so, a standard driver so they did but to be fair you know the governing body they did nearly 7 years of investigation on this before they announced it so they had all the data and all the history to show it um, the unfortunate thing was that they didn't put it in place to stop right the manufacturers of these clubs so and because of the ping issue it got hit So they then turned around and went, right, all these on this list, you've got a year. And then from that, you then, you can't use them. Yeah. And that list was extensive. Jesus Christ, i never knew that. Yeah. i never knew that with our club, eh? Yeah, that happened in the 90s. I actually played golf with one of the uh, scientists in the um, town match, who was working for the He who's a member of the RNA. And he was part of the team doing all of the investigation into this. He said, that I can't tell you too much, but what I can tell you is that this is going to be a major shock through the whole of the golfing community when it comes out. He says, just listen for these words, spring effect. Yeah.
0: Right, so, moving swiftly on to uh, a topic you know a, lot, a lot about yourself, Tom, being a member as well, but talk to me about the St Andrews Golf Club.
2: Well, I joined St Andrews Golf Club in 1984, 1994. So I came back from Germany and the RAF always had a match against St Andrews in the late early October. Yeah. And it was always away at that day and you'd go 12 golfers and then play against 12 of the St Andrews boys and then you'd always turn up with a bottle of whiskey as the captain of the club and then sit down after the match. The match was great, didn't really matter the result like most of
1: our
2: club matches <laughs> and then you uh, would the two guys you would play with you'd ask them to put you forward for membership Right. so you that was the the way that I was said this was a way to get in so yeah I joined the golf club in 1994 it was uh, definitely the right club for me to join uh, so there's clubs in the town there's the uh, working man's club which is us and then there's the uh, other club down the road. The other one, yeah. yeah. Which
1: which way are you going? Because there's two.
2: <laughs> and down the road. Down uh, there's one. There.
1: There's one that we're never, ever, ever going to get
2: into. And no, then there's no, the other one. That's <laughs> the, yeah, no. but, yeah, that was the new club. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that that was for the professional gentlemen, shall we say? The, the non-working class. Yeah, non. I'll say it. Yes, that's strange because I look at it.
1: But we have good relationships with a lot of the members yeah, and there lot, are there yeah, are some yeah, in both clubs. A, a few of them
2: clubs. members of both clubs. But, yeah, it's uh, the portfolio. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. No, I think that was just the early days, yeah. of the banter. It was the, it it was and the perception and everything, yeah, everything else. and the so, perception. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think that's probably the better thing to do. And both clubs are quite healthy, you know, so which is a great thing for the town. But well, we tried to work out in
0: an episode about how many members, like members actually are actually in what this and golf club.
2: I said there was about two thousand. Two and a half thousand or something you said, was it? It's just on, uh, just over two thousand three hundred members, um, and there's a waiting list for all categories. Yeah. You know, we've got a very good friend Ben, uh, at Sterling. You know, Ben will hopefully get in as a con- uh, member next year, and he, uh, he will have been on the waiting list for three years. Yeah. 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 That's the level. So and overseas is the same. And
1: that's not even the list. That's not even including the links ticket, because yeah. obviously that's separate. And that that's list, is, that thing, yeah. list is just outrageous. Yeah. So yeah but it's oh, just so yeah. that's,
2: that comes part and part with being the, the home of golf St Andrews it's, it's, it's I'm sure St Andrews Golf Club has got the because of the size of the membership uh, and uh, it must be very very close to having the most amount of single figure golfers in its membership percentage wise I would yeah. say yeah um, there'll be a couple of clubs that might want to challenge that I'm sure get out up here if you want to <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: the ex captaincy proudness in him. Yeah. Well, yeah. So no. Good
0: segue again, Tom. So, you were lucky enough to um, become captain of the golf club. And obviously, you served before that as vice captain as well. When I was under. Was
2: when I, was, I was Craig Blair's vice Craig captain. Craig Blair, sorry, yeah. Yeah, we've had some.
1: You served under a few captains because you had to do as your time on the committee. Yeah, yeah you do. A,
2: yeah. I would say the average. At the time when I went on the committee, the average time to captaincy was not counting you two years but uh, as captain was probably 15 years of your life. What? yeah yeah the, the people that went on went on for there was a few that would do the odd but I would say 70 percent of the committee did the time and so you had a lot of history a lot of knowledge you went through various convenerships um, to move up to the point and the process in place for being captain was basically on the first time you come on to committee you're elected on voting and if three guys stand on that same night the guy that has the seniority of that particular three is the one that gets the most votes and that carries right through for the time that you go through committee so the three of us sat around this table could all sit there on that night one of us could be an absolute workaholic and do everything and the other two don't do much but they got more votes than that guy. So that's him and then we're the two that don't do much. So, yeah, yeah that. but the one that gets the most votes is the one that gets the initial offer to become the captain. As long as he's there, he does his part <coughs> and everything like that. There's others that go out above and beyond but at the end of the day, um, you're on your voting. So would that.
1: you say that during the 15 years Service in a like technically a service that it was for the betterment of the individual that becomes captain because you do all that time you learn the, the, the
3: yeah way I the think club it's it,
1: probably run and especially yeah. from committee side and then obviously members side and then obviously you've got there is a lot of things that, that you, need, is yeah, you to yeah. do and not do.
2: I would agree with that, but there is there is a lot of things that you need uh, to be able to recall on certain. You know, we've had certain people try to get back into the golf club that have been banned. Uh, and if you haven't got a good process in place or knowledge of that person you know then uh, there is an opportunity that if it, it was a fresh committee every couple of years then that person could get Slipped could get slip through the cracks and get back in so um, and that way your club secretary is the stalwart of uh, any club to be honest yeah. you know so i think most successful golf clubs go on the longevity of the secretaries yeah you know, so and then the working relationship between that and the captains as it come through. Because you've got to bear in mind captains are only figureheads. Yeah. 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 You know, we don't go in. I was quite fortunate when I went in to my position, the the club had agreed to go do a major refit. So I was there to oversee all brand new changing rooms, lockers, showers and everything. It was a major, major change. You know, we spent best part of 400,000 pounds. <laughs>
0: for uh, a golf club that's insane yeah, yeah but when well, you've got
1: 2,300 odd members but I you know love what I'm saying there's a lot there's a lot to put out when
0: but, but to the
2: membership at that time it was a much needed area yeah, yeah, yeah know, it was really de- deprived <laughs> yeah, well, I
0: mean the building itself couldn't be better located oh, yeah. overlooking yeah, the 18th world yeah, course you know what I mean I love when I do get invited down there by you guys I love any opportunity to go in to be honest with you yeah, it is um, nice if
1: you're taking guests out that you try and organise with the, the chef and that to get on the top, or the middle floor and take them by the bay, big bay window for a meal after you're around and you sit out and watch and see at the beach. And then yeah, Even the r and A, I've been
2: very fortunate, I've, I've uh, met quite a few of uh, well-to-do people in their Martin Slumbers, you know, and quite a lot of the R&A members say the view that we have out of our golf club, you know, alright they look straight down the first but they looked out straight down the first
1: yeah we, we get look
2: down the first time. we look out over the beaches yeah. and out so you know you like get to we, sit we have a better view
1: yeah. you get to stand out of the window in the snooker room and yeah they've got start taking to bets stand. if they're gonna yeah. hold the birdie pot or not yeah, in the exactly, so, yeah. yeah it's good
2: no I think the clubs of St Andrews are very blessed yeah. the act yeah. in place has been to the success of the golf um, the Lynx Trust do a great job, to be honest. Um, you don't look at it, I think from a golf club member, I think they probably don't look at it the way, but when you move into the the positions of vice captain and captain and you get involved in committees, the ICLC, which is the Interclub Liaison Committee, and that's members of all all of the captains and vice captains from the main clubs and the Lynx are represented on that committee. Um, but it's mainly to put forward requirements that the members want for yeah. the golf club for the golf courses so we do annual inspections every year of all courses we have a greens meeting um, with all of the green head green keepers uh, what, what was really good about the golf courses what wasn't so good about the golf courses um, so yeah it's been good so I'm what
1: a, would you say was your proudest moment as captain
2: being captain I think that was. You can uh, see it in your face. To be fair. <laughs> yeah, I <it> was. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think you know, I was very. It was, p- sli- it was
1: a slightly uh, interesting week that week when you got your captaincy, was it not?
2: Well, yeah, because um, my first grandson was born. You're Yeah, in fact, I think <laughs> nice, nicely timed that. <laughs> you helps are that. welcome. Yeah. That helped. my to the club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went into the golf club on the, uh, I think, the 11th of November as a captain, and Reggie was born on the 14th. So yeah, yeah it was a hell of a week. Um, In fact, my first night as captain, um, a friend and member of the club brought a certain two-time major winner into the golf club to sit at the table. And being the captain, I managed to obviously pick the members of the club for that presentation Mm -hmm. night to sit at that table. Thank you very much. I managed to seat my son next to Sandy Lyle.
1: I was sat opposite him, that was a great night.
2: And we had- uh,
1: Until a very good friend of ours decided to bring out a bottle of port.
2: Yeah, but uh you did the name.
1: Go on. it was good. No, I was a, li- he was a past captain, uh a good friend of my dad's I yeah. got on really well with him as well. Unfortunately he's not here with us anymore, but Mick Cordner. Yeah legend. Yeah,
3: yeah. Legend. Great yeah. guy.
0: Mate a few things myself, I I kinda of think highly enough of the guy to you feel. Yeah, yeah
1: just, there was no one else in, no one in the room that he wouldn't know or wouldn't spend the time going to get to know. Yeah. which um, is probably I could speak to the that biggest all compliment that. That I could give him. Yeah, yeah definitely he was great. He's,
2: he, yeah he's missed definitely.
1: definitely missed but yeah he was he was on form that night on the table with Sandy and uh, Bunchy and yeah and, uh, yeah James sure. Bunch as well he's a member of our club Bast uh, he was yeah. also a member of A, is he not yeah and he's they, also they two they uh, two t- t- uh, t- t- are Hickory Pairs H- champions aren't they
2: yeah World Hickory champions really yeah,
1: yeah Bunchy and, and Sandy
2: and in fact Bunchy caddied for Sandy last year at the Masters yeah oh wow yeah yeah so, so yeah very good friends um yeah it was a good night uh i think my opening night speech on that day first day as captain was the uh, gentleman we have a obviously a major winner here okay just leave him the fuck alone <laughs> <laughs> and but he was great guys came up asked him maybe posed for photographs and everything and the one question I said to him, I'm going to ask you a question now. And he goes, oh, here we go. <laughs> I said, uh, I don't think you've heard this question before. And he goes, I'll be surprised. <laughs> I said, okay. Everyone looks at you on the television, and in those days, you're a stalwart of a man. And I says, but I reckon you're actually shorter than you were. And he just looked at me and went, I've never heard that question. <laughs> and yes, he is. An inch and a half at that time, shorter than what he was. That's age, though, eh? Yeah. But I don't know. I think he's probably carrying all the golf balls around in his bag. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, but so it was a good night, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was, and you were also very blessed to be the captain of the club at the time of when the Senior Open was around at the Old Course as well.
0: You we were there, didn't we, for the final so day?
1: You got to meet another entertaining character of the, of the yeah, world
2: Mr. of golf. Him and it's a girl smoking salsa man. His wife's a good golfer too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She smokes cigars as well. <laughs> yeah. You can't
1: not be can good <laughs> yeah. with him.
2: No, he was good. Um, yeah. You I, also
1: got to meet Rich Beam and.
2: Like no that was it. Yeah, yeah. I met, uh, Yeah, I was um, actually. I think it was my second year as captain, and I was invited to uh, as captain to the Dunhill. Uh, so, with Mick Cordner actually, and um, yeah. the new club captain Joe Noble, at the time and we'd agreed that we were gonna go in the golf club on the Friday night for the steak dinner afterwards. And on the Wednesday night, I met Rich Beam in the golf club and I said to him, how are you getting on? Everything was fine, it was really, really good. Um, I said, hey, problems getting restaurants or anything like that? He went, well, yeah, we've had a few. I says, well, we've got a steak dinner here on Friday night, so you're entitled to bring four or five members in, or non-members in as a guest, if you want, so bring some of your Sky Boys along if you want and just let me know and I'll let the secretary sort out a table for you. So on the morning of the Dunhill I get a phone call from my secretary Tom Gallagher at the time. He says Dave, you know you wanted the window table and everything (laughs) but um, I need to move you. And I went why? He says well Rich Beam's bringing some friends Um, and he wants to sit with you and your your guests. Uh, So do you mind if we move you to a bigger table and everything. I went, yeah, no problem at all. So uh, yeah, I get down to the Dunhill, and obviously the new club captain is there and Mick Corner at the time. I says, Well, gentlemen, uh, I've got some bad news. We're not sitting in the window table. <laughs> and Joe went, Well, what's going on? I says, Well, uh, when you're the captain of St Andrews, you've got pulling power. So <laughs> <laughs> joining us tonight are two major winners and some guests. And like Mick picked Rich Beam straight away, yeah but none of them got Michael Campbell. Yeah,
1: I forgot that. So one. Michael Campbell, New
2: yeah. So he he came along. um Andrew Coulthard, yeah. Uh, the boy that punched fucker worst with, he's better known.
1: Yeah, but to nah, be fair, he's known in his own right.
0: legend. I I
2: love So yeah, no, they all came along for that dinner that night. I just said to see what the quality of St Andrew has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when yeah, no, you tell me well, that story, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we had a great night. Um, me and Cooltide were the last two to leave the Didn't bar. get my invite yeah. to that one, though. Yeah. Andy, wouldn't <laughs> <wonder. laughs> no. So,
0: go back to the golf club. Have you got a favourite competition that you've played in, or won, or anything that you look forward to in the calendar you when you are back in company,
2: Well, I think, obviously, most people would love to play on the old, so you play the Spring and autumn Prizes, because that's the two times a year the golf club is guaranteed to have the, open, the old course and we try to optimise as many golfers as we can get into that competition due to the daylight hours um, favourite competition I've been in three finals in the Guy Campbell won it once, lost twice in the final with a good friend Gary Grant um, so yeah, I'd say the Guy Campbell uh, which is
1: quite a a I'll say there's anyone prostrate Prestigious than any other comp that we've got in the club, but it's a it's a really tough one to get to the final because it's pairs alternate shot.
2: Yeah, foursomes, which yeah. is
1: a really really tough format to play. Yeah. So no.
2: I would say Gary Grant, uh, Gary, I think now is down to two. I think at the time me and him were both around four or five. Yeah, but that guy has got to be one of the finest wedge players I've ever seen in my eye, really? in my life. downhill lie that guy can get spin on a wall, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, in fact.
1: Um, he's just quite nonchalant about it though as well he is
2: but it was uh, I'll tell you how good I I know his wedge play is and I go go back to so I've I've been back in the country now six months nearly I was Saudi Arabia for two years so I'll go back say four years pre-Covid Lindsay Shield Gary's Mm -hmm. match number 24 and the match is tied and Gary's coming down the 18th Mm -hmm and he's one up and the guy knocks a ball into four and a half feet on 18.
1: On the old course. On the old. Yeah just
2: on the eight the old. The guy knocks it into about four and a half feet and Gary Grant knocked it into six inches. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. So we win match 24 and match 25 was already in the bag so that, that was a one of the closest Lindsay Shield results between us and Lee and Thistle. Mm. So, yeah, it was a really good game. But you just get over, and in, if you had anyone around that sort of match number, then he was definitely the one player you would want to play that wedge, shot into and Green. <laughs> definitely good. Very good.
1: Who's the best golfer you've ever played with? Chris Emmett. Raf Boy.
2: Raff boy, yeah. Absolute he's he is for me he had so much
1: I might be getting mad because obviously I cannot obviously a lot of players that you've played with. Is it Chris the one that won Dunhill?
2: No, that's no. Chris Peacock.
1: <gasps> well, Chris Peacock, yeah.
2: yeah. I'll tell you a story about Chris Peacock in a minute. But <laughs> Chris Emmett Chris Emmett was a golfer. Um, he just hit everything so smooth, so well, I was playing golf with him. We were on the old course, the 11th, short par 3, 155 yards-ish at that time, and he hits a 4-iron into 3 feet. I hit 8-iron into about 10 feet, and I said to him, what are you doing hitting a 4-iron for? He went, because I can. (laughs) And I went, yeah, but it's not a 4-iron shot. He went, all right then, you hit a 4-iron and I'll hit an 8-iron. So he hit an eight iron in the three feet, and I hit four iron through the back. <laughs> <laughs> Just natural talent. Just pure and natural talent. Yeah. He fell out with the Royal Air Force over something that he didn't get promoted, which was an absolute travesty, because he was forever being asked to play golf by all the Air Commodores, group captains, and everything like that. So he didn't get promotion, didn't get to stay in the Air Force. Air force's loss, 100%. So he didn't play for two years. So then... Me and Wayne Gates talked him into playing. He hadn't played for two years. He went out for a game on the old and knocked it around a 73 scratch. It's just so those boys could do. We'll that, come back yeah. to Chris Peacock. Now, Chris Peacock represented R.F. Lucas in the Dunhill Cup and won the Dunhill Cup amateur pairs match. But I was drawn against Chris Peacock in the uh, semi finals of the singles, R.F. Lucas singles. And we were practicing at Dramoik. So we, Thomas was caddying for me. We drive up and I said to Thomas, go and watch this guy hit golf balls. This guy hits golf balls like you've never seen. He was the Sandy Lyle of a one iron yeah. in, in the golfing, and he's creaming these shots. And I'm down five or six bays down. Thomas comes along about half an hour. And he says, Dad. You're, you're fucked. fucked. You're gonna get your <laughs> ass kicked. <laughs> and I said to Thomas, he says, son, he can hit the ball like it's going out of fashion. But he can't. But oh. I, I beat him three and two. Three and two. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Did
1: he not win the Dunhill twice?
2: Uh, no, he played. Play? He played the second year. Oh, and they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. So we normally pick a golfer each year. The second year, we were told Chris Peacock will play. The team. Yeah, he had to try because he it. was defending yeah. the, uh, the dial, which was fine. But that was another chance you know at, at lucas because lucas facilitated dunhill yeah. and everything the team got in so i played in 1995 in the dunhill cup howard clark was uh, the pro that we played with he was two weeks after the Ryder cup he had a hole in one and Ryder cup that year as well so yeah it was good yeah.
1: did you not caddy was it you caddied for was it alex checker
2: uh, no checker played the year before uh, yeah, for one of the guys I carried for, but yeah, he turned up first ever visit St Andrews, round at eleven. He hit three shots into eleven. Yeah, his total score was five. Hole in one and two twos.
1: <laughs> and that's a bastard of a par three. Yeah. Holy shit!
0: So, soldier
2: coaching. How did that come about for you? Well, basically, links had a concept they wanted to get it off and running and they just looked for people to volunteer um, they took numbers from each golf club at that time and RAF Lucas was counted as a club within the town because it, it held uh, stature um, so yeah I think eight or nine of us from RAF Lucas put our names forward we were welcomed into the fold I think I coached Sauerja Golf for about eight years that point was that yeah yeah well I did eight years and then that was it
3: yeah
1: they uh, wanted like yourself as a as a low handicap amateur to teach the young yeah, young I did ones, uh, and you did pros you did a the basic level
2: coaching the pros took you for a basic level coaching and then I think two years after I started that then I did level one um, and then I did level two um, it was only about Ten or twelve was at the time that did level two, and that was a, the far level you could go. If you went higher than that, you would, you could actually turn yourself into a coach, and then but you'd have to give up your amateur status. Did you turn one of those? What? Yeah. So, but it wasn't worth it um, in my eyes. But I enjoyed the knowledge that I got out of out of that those particular courses, and uh, through that you could tweak uh, people's thinking a lot of golfers go if you don't get them early enough there but if you get late golfers you know um, you don't need to tweak you just need to modify what they're doing Hmm. you know half the time a a golfer that hits the ball straight right or straight left it's ball position it's not you need to change the swing or change the grip or anything like that and so that kind of evaluation of it yeah get back to get back to the core foundations you know so and that's what I've done in all my golfing tuition. I actually, <laughs> this week, I put my new job, I work up at King's Barn, so uh, I'm on the practice range, um, just handing out the golf balls, and clearing up the range and everything. And there's a guy there, an American, oh, he's, yeah. he's bombing golf balls straight right, about 30 yards off where he's aiming. And I just said to him, Do you want that fixed? And he went, if you can fix this man I'll be ever in your debt and I think I'm the only one up there in all the years of ops golf operations yeah, to get a tip from a guy on the on the bench <laughs> hey a monetary tip I don't get to keep the money by the way no. the money goes yeah. in the pot for everyone at the end of the year yeah, yeah. but yeah I moved his ball position forward to two inches yeah and he started hitting the ball straight as a die.
1: so he's just gone from an open face to a straight face
2: well yeah n- yeah that's all it is so uh, yeah but yeah, he uh, dad dad. <laughs> cause he had his dad with him. This guy's in his late twenties, yep. you know, and he's shouting to his uh, his father who's on the pro- in, uh, practice chipping area, and he's in his sixties, and then he's in the sixties seventies, and he's going, "Dad, dad, this man's just feeds my golf swing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Other American accents are available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah.
0: Um, I saw. Eight yeah, years. I didn't realize it was that long. Um, I did eight years. You did
1: years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sal
2: just still going. So, what yeah. was
1: the age ranges that you were coaching at?
2: Well, you started the uh, five years of age. They were kids were coming in at five, but basically that was just have fun. You know, get them out there, hit golf balls, get them, get them on it. Yeah, six, seven, eight years of age, nine, and then you moved on to like I did that first year. Then I moved on to the ten, eleven, twelves, uh, the next year and from that you were asked to do assessments on the kids to then send certain children through to the pros. So I think year three you'd pick a couple of golfers out to say right yeah this kid's got uh, potential, he needs to be severely looked at and then the pros would take that child and then develop them so people like Thomas's area. Not me though. Not Thomas, no. no, no. Um, there's some that, some of the kids that you would look at them and you think right yeah they've got potential and then within 18 months plus one plus two it was there you know yeah. they had it but it just needed to be facilitated and
1: it's just getting these guys access to the pros to get yeah, finder, exactly and, and, and the links
2: was really good in respect to um, they got free use of the practice range from after school to go and hit golf balls they got a certain number every day yeah, you just and, had to show your soldier badge and and get in there and, and, and work on what you and from that the pros could see those that were and weren't dedicated if you weren't dedicated then you got slipped back down and someone else could come, come out the pot and go, go and, and yeah. rightly at least so yeah. and again that just goes back to what we said earlier how much do you want it
3: yeah. what are you
2: going to work at it you know and then from there some of them would go to Reasonable high-level amateur golf and perform well, and then some of them, well, certainly Ewan um, Scott. Ewan went to the Faldo School. Yeah,
1: would he? Would you say he's probably the? Did you have any involvement in his?
2: Not really. I just uh, I know of his, of of his ability, and you know, plus four yeah. at an early age, um, won the Faldo Junior School Series twice. You won it. He won it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the concept of that was but and you know or anyone that went to the Fowler school got Fowler's number then so, he could phone them and say look I'm having this issue and he would talk through things on the phone. That's how dedicated he was to his tour schools. That's when we get the, the negative opinion of them aren't you but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was no, it's, uh, yeah Ewan was and he's, he is still to this day great golfer, another one with a really smooth um, striking ability, doesn't get phased. Know he just goes out and he enjoys his golf. He didn't enjoy his golf when he was in America, so well, that
1: was because they were trying to tweak him.
2: They tried to tweak him, which you so mentioned earlier Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but no, there's a couple that went out on
1: scholarships out there that kind of came undone by that. I the same sort of yeah. Thing.
2: Well, there's a, there's a story of Colin Montgomery jumping out a window to get back home. I, I can't see what window size that would have been, but it's another man,
1: Jesus, yeah. No, it's, certainly, when I was at Salgia, probably the.
2: Bifolded, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, probably the, the biggest uh, success at the time would probably be Daniel Somerville.
2: Danny was, yeah,
1: because he came in really with no golf background or experience whatsoever. Because no, he no was a footballer, because football. we used to play yeah. football on the same team, yeah. and he was a fucking good footballer as well. Leeds United fan like yourself, yeah. Danny Leeds. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, from what I remember, he just literally took the piss out of it during the summer and he went from a handicap of 28 down to single figures within a summer in a summer in a summer yeah, he was summer. just relentless it was literally all he did and then the next
2: year he was plus one it's dedication and he's a club he's a club well, champion but you see tall still yeah he, he's, he, I think he's the youngest club champion of oh, St Andrews youngest uh, old was it at the time 17 something 17 yeah
1: he ended up getting into the Dunham. Yeah, in fact he, he, that, he won it
2: two years in a row and then he was going there's a I can't remember the name of the golf club. Oh, it's going to kill me. I'm really hacked off. I can't remember. it. But there's a guy in the golf club who's won it was one at three in a year and Danny went, next time, three in a row. But he didn't make it. Not
1: yet. He's not still got time. It, uh, no, but not three in a row. Oh, not three in a row. Well, you never know. He could do it again. Nah.
2: But he's too busy working in the but army. But he got,
1: he got to play in the Dunhill, didn't he, on the back of... Yeah. Yeah,
2: there's a few of them. club yeah. champs so...
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Jesus. he was... He Obviously, we were at school together, um, so... That was probably the, from my short time in soldier. Yeah, you look at Danny and you, one of the you know
2: from the guys that were involved in soldier, and you look at Danny from day one he arriving, shall we say, and then two years later he's a plus golfer, and you think you would never have thought it was on the books, but he worked so hard at it. Yeah, um, and he got he got his just deserves. You know, club champion two years in a row. Uh, great guy, good golfer. Yeah. yeah, so born on the same day as me as well, actually oh. Yeah. Oh.
3: yeah. <laughs> Glorious
2: twelfth of July. Anyway. For those Thank of you. your friends that are listening to this that want to send me anything. <laughs> <laughs> Money order. do. Yeah, golf balls. <laughs> yeah. Golf balls, yeah. Of
1: course. Well, Let's yeah, get t- on policy. to the topic that I've been trying Mate, to avoid.
0: You take it away. I'm gonna sit back my popcorn here and enjoy.
1: What was it like getting me in a golf? Well the,
2: the, the the thing i would say initially was i never pushed you into playing golf because you were a footballer and you wanted to play football your attributes were right yeah i want it that's my that's my future unfortunately injuries were going to be your future so um and a, a mental block of he's not getting past me so i think you've got to be one of them I, I never had a red card in my life. I, I'm going to say that. That's the, the luckiest left backs in football ever. Uh so I
1: was asked to get subbed by quite a few referees yeah. but I never got a red card. Yeah.
2: yeah. So no. So you you sort of looked at the likes of Danny and Liam and the likes of that were having some success at golf and thought right yeah I'm going to get into this. So okay. Yeah, you in. got
1: you got me into it casually before casually, then, yeah, but exactly. yeah, that was but when it was it sort then, of my, so my obsession shifted. And then yeah. it was,
2: right, okay, show me, but the biggest thing with Thomas was, it, Thomas's way was Thomas's way, there wasn't, uh, look, this is the easy way son. This is what you should be doing. And that took me, I'm gonna be conservative and say <laughs> 15 years. I'm
1: pissing myself laughing here that's very fucking conservative
2: (laughs) so uh, right so you go down the range with Thomas and it was like uh, if his mum would say do I need to come and pick him up (laughs) because we probably wouldn't come back in the same vehicle (laughs) because he was that pissed off with either how it was going or whatever but you could get Thomas to say look right you need to learn to play this shot I can't play that shot yeah you can no I can't all right give it one go and then he would hit it perfect yeah yeah but that was fucking lucky <laughs> <laughs> so and then it was oh fucking right, you, my childhood trauma coming back Hello. in, me in. You, <laughs> yeah do you get an allowance for psychiatry do you <laughs> um, so it took time and then
1: on my part it took a lot of it, acceptance yeah
2: and then it was probably the best one ever, I think what brought it home was uh, Thomas was off 10 and I was off four and it was Christmas <laughs> and his grandma always gave him an envelope, a good bit of money in it, his granddad as well and obviously some money from us and he was big booted about it. And he went, Dad, I bet I get to single figures before <laughs> you get to three <laughs> and I says, how much do you want to put on it son? He says, 10 quid. So we put 10 quid behind the clock on the mantelpiece. It sat there 20 pound three days later now the ground's covered in snow there's four inches of snow on the ground
1: no golf had been played no golf
2: had been played i walked in and picked the 20 quid up <laughs> put it in my wallet he goes hey what are you doing <laughs> I says well i'm off three he went how the fit are you off three I says annual review son i've had a great year <laughs> i've been cut to 3.2 <laughs> and Thanks you're still off 10. for
1: a handicap change system now yeah <laughs> So
2: <laughs> lesson learned, but to be fair, he went out that season and he got down to eight and then he worked a bit harder and then he got down to six and then it was, I need to rebuild my swing dad. I went fine. Now I'm happy to help you, but you've got to learn, you've got to listen and you've got to practice. And he went, okay. First argument we had, day one as well you don't want it first five minutes no, no no it was through the lesson but no okay yeah but no we went away and he worked at it and he worked at it and then you worked really hard the first year I was away got down to Two Three. Three. 2.9 yeah 2.9 is the lowest yeah. I've ever been Yeah. so yeah it's there yeah but it's like anything you just gotta want it
1: the yeah. biggest the biggest one that you always had difficulties with, with my putting because I did yeah. not g- I did not get the Edgar putting gene. Well, you your father your father was a good putter. Yeah. You're a good putter. I'm shocking. Well, you're not, you're I'm not bad now. You're not bad now. You it's, see. It's, it's clicked. It's clicked now. Yeah. But it, yeah, there was a good period, wh- especially when I was sort of hovering around nine. That teeter green, you were expecting a sub eighty round, but it would always be hovering around the 83, 84 because of all the three putts
2: yeah, Ram started with a 4 putt, Thomas could start and finish the front line with a few <laughs> 4 putts. So uh, uh, and to be honest I have to sort of commend his, his perseverance, you know, he never snapped a putter. He kicked shit out of his golf <laughs> bag. <laughs> but, uh,
1: uh, I knew this was not going to be a good episode for me
2: remember the time you came home and went dad my three iron snapped and only put it in the bag gently yeah no he kept the bag and snapped the three iron that was a six
1: iron he six he snapped my three iron
3: yeah
1: i lent gareth my first set that i bought and literally it came back after about a year because you bought your own set by that point you're like yeah i've, I've got your clubs back
3: yeah you've got this one I'm missing
1: He's like, yeah I, I snapped your three iron after about two months
0: over my neck as well
1: yeah <laughs> probably thomas it. peters oh yeah yeah. I'm good lad.
2: Well, anyway. So, the only thing I would say is to anyone out there if you're going to get kids into golf, especially the first couple of years, just let them have fun. Yeah. Yeah, don't try and formulate so grip, when, grip or anything like that. Just
1: while you're think. talking on that, like, sort of, like saying five, anything up to five and probably a couple of years after, it's just about making sure it's fun. Yeah. When you start getting them at round about seven, eight, when you think you can start maybe really getting the foundations of a golf swing together. Yeah. When you were coaching, because I know how you swing the game and how you think about the game is very much smooth tempo, do you think that obviously mo- most modern day golfing now is hit the thing as hard as you fucking can and then we'll get your dispersion down
2: well, you see, you say that they hit the ball as hard as they fucking can, but I don't think that's the case because if 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 I asked you to swing at it as hard as you can, right, you don't stay in your golf posture. You're out of it. If you look at the pros, their posture doesn't lose. They don't lose, other than, what's his name? But I think, if
1: you're talking about most af, like college guys coming through now.
3: But they work they, on their swing speed. They
1: come, Yeah, but I think and we, we spoke to obviously we had the assistant pro out with us playing our broth last week yeah and Craig obviously we had him in for an episode as well and they, they have basically said that as well the most the way coaching is done now is they've shifted it to hit the thing as hard as you can while staying obviously not letting yeah. yourself fall over or anything like that but hit the thing as hard as you can while trying to keep a posture like you're saying and then if it's going off to the left or the right they can then fix the tweaks to bring it back know in I don't you
2: can to be honest I think I think Go at it as hard as you can, but go at it that the ball doesn't deviate more than three, five yards either side of the straight line. Yeah? And then you go from that, you then build up your ability to be able to knock it out there. Uh, And you stay within. It comes back to what you mentioned earlier, Thomas, is if you don't have the fundamentals and the core in place, how are you gonna bring in disparity or dispersion or anything else by poor core, yeah. If you don't, you know, you don't build a house with 17,000 different types of brick and then turn around and go, I only want those two types of brick <laughs> in it, yeah, and take it all apart. You can't do that in this game now, it's too late. So, this game to me, a pro just saying, Yeah, let's grip it and rip it, grip it and rip it isn't golf,
1: yeah, but that I think. Grip it and rip it is. I think you're getting stuck a little bit in how you coached the no, no, no. think and your era. Because I think a lot of them, even the pros now coming out there, like even Cameron Young, obviously one of the longest hitters on tour, he said that's exactly how he did it. He was taught I'm how to hit the ball as far as he physically could and then but look at the bring wastage. it in to a. Look at the wastage.
2: For everyone that makes it, 7,500
1: don't. Yeah, but that's. Right, but that's,
2: 7,500 that's, more. I would rather 7,500 enjoyed the game you get a kid on a golf course and teach him how to swing a golf course or swing a club that he goes out and he makes two parts in nine holes not goes out and blast it and say yeah I knocked it 250 yards yeah did you get a four nah no. yeah I think
1: there's room for both of it but I think
2: I think there's a meld of, of
1: start, I think when they're starting now they want to teach them because the way the game is gone it's a more or less it's a bombers game you, yeah but it's you, not going to be well, that's if they bring the ball back.
2: <laughs> the main yeah. difference they bring the ball back. I think. The, the, I, think I think they're they, struggling to lengthen courses anymore. So. I think they will narrow golf courses up. The, and you look at of all the ability of the golfers that when they go to tight courses they can't produce. The, 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 you know, and there's a prime example. I can guarantee you one one way. Right, every Ryder Cup in America, the rough is non-existent. Why? Because they're bombers. there's dispersion's crap. It's all over the place. Look at the shot. Right. I love. I love. Years ago. I'm always
1: saying crap, but it's it's still much better than what we could produce. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, In terms of their, their it, level, and yeah.
2: right? And yet you've got the Europeans going out there. They hit up most of the fairways. They don't run out. Whereas the pros in America, they're all over the place. They come here, narrow it, narrow lengthen. it, tight fairways. You've got you've got the exceptionals. You know that will you know. I the one I'm looking forward to seeing come back into golf is Fowler. Um, yeah, and
1: he's on his way. He's, he's yeah. almost in the top fifty. after yeah, he's exactly. Out. He and was T fifteen last weekend, yeah. so he's. he's and I hope he win.
2: gets an invite to Scottish Scott the Open because you know and he loves, he loves a, coming to the Scottish Open. But he's shop, a winner he? of the Scottish. Is Open will he he? do He's going. Is he? I think so. I hope so because, you know, he came, he came to play in the Scottish Open long before some of the pros from America did, and he won it as well, and yeah. and he won it convincingly.
1: But he always went with that ethos because it's the week before the open, yeah. he came to try and get used to links golf and obviously yeah. the fact that he would win the event is a massive bonus yeah. but he came to try and get to grips with weather conditions
2: and there's and another one
1: the that shots that you you, you probably need don't, for the
2: open. You don't hear this name now, but you used you it was Peter Uline and Peter Uline's parents turn around and says, Go and play golf in Europe. Don't play golf in America. You hear his
1: name quite a bit on the Livtour, by yeah. the
2: way. He's had
1: bombs of the mud as well by the well, way. His shut parents
2: them. initially, they sent him to the European tour, right, because he had to play different golf courses, they to weren't set up, set up soft.
1: As much as we hate him, Patrick Reed did that quite, Yeah, he and came know, across yeah. a little bit and Kitiyama is another one, he played yeah. practically almost all his golf last year on the DP World Tour.
2: Yeah. So you, you look at it in that respect and, and the guys that come over and visit to play, you know, they're giving it, man these greens are so hard and firm you know your fairways are tight and everything. Yeah, well, welcome to the home of golf. Yeah. Links golf, yeah. Well, not links golf, home golf in I Europe. Well, Scotland, yeah, yeah. Anytime, yeah. So yeah, it is what it is. Even Parkland Scottish golf courses aren't set up for high floating soft greens or anything like that. They're not that way. They're not set up. They are in April, May because they've had the weather, but they, mm. they're not in the summer. Yeah. Right,
1: I'm done with my roasting I'll take that um,
2: Well, I, th- I thought it needs to be mentioned The
0: fact that I know killed you in the driving range uh, We're talking about, obviously <laughs>
2: Starting
0: out Yeah, starting out And you get me into the golf um,
2: Was that the one that hit the roof? Yes I think it was
0: one of them, maybe many But this one missed you by a fucking boy <laughs> And the look As you turned on and looked at me I thought Put the golf club away <laughs> Get your bag and go <laughs> The look you gave me I thought Oh, God so I was
2: just thinking,
0: how the fuck can you get a driver? And that's with you telling me how yeah, smooth as well,
1: swing easy. <laughs> you didn't have a swing easy back then. No. You may have felt it
2: was a swing easy but it wasn't it. Well even now. Even when I showed you on slow motion on the phone yeah. it wasn't swing easy. No. It no. wasn't
1: in slow-mo either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just looking over the notes of what we've got to talk about next uh, I'm going to shut up because it's Gareth's favourite topic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Yars Lugs I've played it there once, um, you are playing it again
2: this you're coming up, yeah, but a golf course that you enjoy playing? Yes, very much so. Um, I would like to play it in a similar condition to the pros um, and would to be honest I think it's getting there, I think it is getting there. L- the first year we played it wasn't anywhere near as good as um, it was the second time we played. They've done a sort of extensive amount of work, and I think the pros and the European, I'd say the Sky presenters, you know, for them to say it's probably one of the best ever golf courses they've seen on the tour just speaks uh, volumes. Volumes for the work that's been put in by the staff there, and uh, yeah, it's great. So,
1: obviously, you get into play Yaz yeah, a couple of times now. Is it? three times you played it or two
2: this will be my third, so this will be your third year yeah.
1: so what is it involved in what's made, like how did it come about
2: well my first time was uh, a, a good friend of mine Wayne Gates was working for British Aerospace In uh, he said come out for a week's holiday bring your clubs because someone might drop out and you'll get a game so um, about three four weeks before I was due to fly out he says you're in <laughs> Uh, one of the one of the teams needs a player and they're gonna they've asked you to play for them so i went there and played then the second time i went out i was actually working for it was just ironic really i wasn't working for british aerospace and then i was working for british aerospace and uh we go out for the second time uh it's got to be one of the most expensive weeks of golf i've ever had in my life especially last year <laughs> exactly <laughs> that, that was that was it because i took the whole family there <laughs> yeah it was great it was great for them yeah they had an absolute whale of come time. on don't lie you got
1: great time with the grandkids and yeah the and fantastic that. Yeah,
2: it yeah it was good fun and uh, i'm still depressed i'm not gonna lie yeah but you're already depressed because you hit that one great wonder shot on that par three
3: you
2: know
0: yeah what are you just stayed in. Yeah.
2: What? No.
0: No. No, no. Sorry, it wasn't yeah, there. No. Yeah. You were, yeah. You were about three. ten
2: feet from the pin. Yeah. That's right. No, man. the other one you're thinking of was the eighth when you, ping, you were talking. Bing, ping, yeah, ping, 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 In the stones. <laughs> in the stones. In the stones. Professional. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fuck that. But we still played them. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Both, can you it, both in the bunker. Couldn't believe it. Bounced yeah. in the bunker.
0: Eh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still. That was like. like I. I came back from a holiday, and.
2: And for a rented set of golf clubs as well.
0: Actually, what did I have? Rogue
2: yeah Rogue Irons Epic yeah. It was an
0: epic flash yeah. Diver yeah. Rogue, Rogue Irons Wedges Bar
1: Jaws
3: One of them was a the Jaws
1: One was the Jaws and the rest of them would have been the uh What did they have before the Jaws It was the um MDs Mac Daddies
3: Yeah
0: Yeah, yeah it was them Yeah, yeah so no, that's good. Rest right, good so, The uh, clubs yeah, mate, Honestly I'm, That's gonna like, Live long in memory mm-hmm. man That holiday and playing that golf course I mean, we,
2: I think there's nothing finer for any amateur in the, in the world that has the opportunity to play a golf course that's on the tour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's the greatest thing about our sport is yeah. that you can go and play a golf course that the pros play with technically the same equipment and the same pin positions yeah. and all that and go up there and then go, Jesus Christ these guys are really good or I'm really really shit.
2: <laughs> well, you know I'm going to be quite com- controversial on this, um, I look at um, amateur golfers, male, and you go and play a golf course and you'll go on and play the medal tees and you look back behind you to the championship pro-level tees right but you look at the ladies they don't play anything pro-level wise they don't play anything significantly different to what amateur women play and yet they're bombing it girls are bombing it now you know I, I think, think that th- I think a lot the of the ability courses
1: are changing. Like we have, we at St Andrews now are changing because they're no, they're not gender specific. The, no, the it's tees not the so you, you can now yeah, select but, to pay further back if you're good enough.
2: Yeah, but when the women came to St Andrews and played the Open, um, For the, they played the same tees I played the, on the Saturday. They played that week, and but they played the course at par seventy six. They're pro ladies, bombing the ball.
1: Yeah, but that's not necessarily down to the women themselves playing the game. That's no, down that's the to, the, level that that's down to those above them that are running it and organising it,
2: no, it. If you if you if you look at a, a guy that wants to turn pro, that level he's got to exp- he's got to jump to overnight. Yeah, if a girl does that, the level of jump is negligible.
1: I wouldn't say it's negligible, oh, but it is. is, is I think as well you've got to put into how much money is in either side of the gender sport and in all areas of sport not just golf the male sport is far more financially backed
3: no, therefore, I, I, the, therefore you it
1: leaps in standards because you've got access to coaching quicker, you've got access it's a harder fight for women to get into the game. I don't disagree with you but why, so I, think that's I, look
2: why. At, I look at an opportunity missed and 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 when Annika Sorensen and Stenson brought that event in two three the, years ago the mixed, bears. The, mixed, yeah. the mixed groups the 60 girls mm-hmm. against the 60 guys and the one area that they missed it was and I go back to a statement by Charlie Hull when Charlie Hole said give me a seven iron on any on any course and I'll knock a seven iron inside any, any guy yeah now in that competition and I hope they someone hears this and it ripples why aren't the four par threes all off the same tees why do you have to have a, a, a guy playing a, a 185 and a girl playing 150? A girl, I think there's nothing greater, and it would happen more consistently I think, to see a girl standing on a par 3, 185, knocking a lowest bladed club inside a guy who's hitting an 8 or a 99. And that goes to me to show a better ability of ball striking. Yeah. So let's, let's let it happen, get the money right get it right, that's definitely what should be happening going forward, but let's start seeing the transition to holes where are 380 yards, girls can hit, no problem at all, par threes for definite, let's start equalising up the courses a little bit in those kind of competitions. Yeah,
0: well look at that, I mean the women's game is going to get a bit of investment soon, if anybody's seen the news yeah. yesterday from a, a certain other tour, live, yeah. Greg Norman's talking about. Yep,
2: yeah, definitely. He's had
0: phone calls, he's had meetings. There's female competitors out there that have been asking the
2: questions, but I think they should. I think what they should be doing is they should try and do the thing that the DP World Tour and the US didn't do. They should be saying to invest in ours and let's take events into your countries, so that they're the tour. You don't take elite golfers in the ladies out. Yeah, you put the money in and let them have them visiting and playing in their countries. The European Tour girls are doing that now. They have six or seven events in Europe, in, in Saudi Arabia and uh, Qatar, yeah, Ar- and like so, Aramco. Aramco. Yeah, yeah. So, you don't take them out. They should have done the DP World Tour in the US. Should turn around and says, don't give two hundred million to this and one hundred fifty million to that. Invest five hundred million in each of the two tours, mm-hmm. and you'll get six or seven events in your countries, and then progress it. And each tour wouldn't have lost the players that we lost. And we wouldn't have the debacle going on. That we've had. Yeah, all we'll going
1: on. I think I don't disagree with what you're saying there at all. I th- but I think, unfortunately, with the characters that were involved, that would have needed to sit down and have these conversations, their egos were never going to allow that to happen.
3: Yeah,
1: Jay was always going to sit there and say no, because the, the changes that the PGA Tour has made since lives. Yeah, but
2: creation, that's a total. We're, nev-
1: we're never going to come into effect.
2: And, Mon- he did a 180 on what he said. We don't need to change our tour. We're very, very strong. They've and all, they've all made a one eighty change yeah. on yeah, what no, they said yeah. at the and start. And then be, he, you know, brings on two hundred million dollars into his tour for the events, and then some key events where the minimum prize money is going to be all this. And then he's yeah. just, he's been nailed for it, yeah. you know, and rightly so. He's been nailed. So for is it.
1: McElroy though as well. Yeah, yeah. But they yeah. have what
2: they have, and he's he's done a slight U turn on some of his statements as well. Yeah,
1: he's come, he's tried to go back, but he was also told as well by like people close to his management your mouth is moving far more than it should be on this topic yeah
2: but he's picked to, he's been picked to represent them in in a, a committee level hasn't he so yeah he's got he's he's got but to do what he does he, but at the end of the day he's got things to sort out within his own goal the yeah team.
0: he's become nice <laughs> about them has he Must yeah. be honest.
1: <laughs>
2: well I think you know I, th- I think
1: he certainly hasn't come out well with obviously what happened with the immediate uh, elevated, elevated event after the m- Masters,
0: not turning up to it, but... Like we said last week, the three million in his pockets is not a big deal, is it? So, yeah. So, most recent role, obviously we said you worked in Saudi and that for a couple of years, you've um, come back to your home, and you're now working at Kingsbarns. You touched on it, obviously, the role that you do, operations, all the rest of it. What was the job in golf before retirement, always on the
2: cards? Yeah, it was always something I looked at, yeah, and obviously there's around here the opportunities to op- operate in golf you know through tour companies or through golf operations at some of the prestigious courses you know King's Barnes is absolutely fantastic there's a new course down the road Dunbarney, you've got as um, oh, we mentioned again Don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> and then there's obviously um the links you know the opportunities there they're there so it, you'd be stupid to not if you want to be involved in it, not look to get involved. In yeah, it. Uh, I've been very fortunate. Um, Steve Martin and Gary Forrester were very good to uh, sit me down and give me a chance. And it's—I've got to say—I enjoy getting dressed to go to work. It's absolutely fantastic. The scenery up there is great. The golf course is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Twenty-two years old now. It's inside the top ten, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, I
1: think when we did it it was around about seven seven to seven, seven, seven yeah, seven, yeah, seven, yeah. yeah. And it's uh, in my top three yeah. comfortably the golf courses I've played
2: yeah it's but, but the course is, you know in this the greenkeeper, head green keeper is absolutely fantastic the course you know the greens you, you come back your first day you're opening and your greens are running at 10.7 <laughs> three weeks later they're running at 11.5 you know that that opportunity on and what you could say you know like 22 years isn't old isn't young but it's engulfing golf yeah yeah you know it is but the work they've done up there and the owner um art fantastic job absolutely brilliant you know the, the course doesn't have a membership
1: no so on because it doesn't get a membership it gets a bit of criticism because of its price
2: whoa, whoa, whoa. wait 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 it doesn't have membership no, no like
1: Dumbani. Dumbani is it's a non membership golf course. So you go, you pay your fees, and that's the only way you can play the course. So there's no like you you like obviously here with St Andrews I don't we're, both, we're both members so no, you, no we can get you there. one from the no,
2: was no, no, but it, it just has it just has correct character yeah. categories. Yeah. So, you know, there's a Scotland rate, there's a Fife late, there's a Lynx ticket rate there's a a visitor's rate, there's a junior rate, they have all of these different categories that you can get on and have an opportunity to play. But for most? But for most, you know, it's back to what you said, it's set at a level, that and
1: is a little bit unattainable for
2: some some, but you look at as well it has a replay limit as well so if you look at two rounds on there with its replay limit it actually works out cheaper than some of the other courses to go and play them
1: again but that's if you can if you're for some guys if they're coming up to play they're coming up for a couple of days and yeah you are chances are that they're not going to have the the ability to come back and play but I'm not I'm not trying to take anything no but I think if you've got a
2: bucket list golf course if someone turned around to you and said if you can give me 500 quid I'll take you on Augusta tomorrow you'd bust a ball bye you would put 500 quid to one side yeah
1: I'd go to sell a kidney (laughs) uh, yeah
2: it's it's no different to staunch footballers you know they're in low-paid job football fans and they travel Europe. Yeah, yeah. To go and watch yeah, their team play.
1: It's like I say, it's it's all relative as as what you get yeah, into. So it depends on how much you want it, and obviously yeah. what it means to you.
2: And you tailor, you know, for me, you look at when we went away for the, the the small tour up north, right? We we put money away every month for a year and a half before we went there, and then everything's covered. So if you're going to do it,
3: yeah, you, if you plan you, it far enough, plan it advance.
2: far enough in advance. It's like us, you know, if we turn around and said three years time we're going to go to Belic, Turkey, play the golf courses out there, all inclusive because again I've not heard one person come back from those um, travels and say that was crap. It's absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah because what I hear at the minute is it used to be Portugal would be the golfing
1: it company. Was, it was between Spain and Portugal yeah. was the golf captain. Now was Turkey. Europe, Turkey, well, Bellic.
2: Turkey was always going to aspire to take away that, that mantle. Yeah, and I think to be fair, they probably have.
1: But they've done well because they've got the legs yeah. of Faldo go out and design courses. Yeah, Monty's, had Monty's one done there. it, yeah,
2: and they've designed and them all in Portugal and they've designed them all in Spain.
1: But they're also on the European or well, the DP World Tour as well with events. So. The surprising
2: thing with all of the golf in the early days that was supposedly the Algarve and everything was look at the amount of Portuguese pros that were on the, not on the tour. Mm. But you look at all the Spanish golfers that are on the tour.
1: But you could say that about Turkey.
2: But Turkey's the same. But Turkey's not interested in it in that respect. They're interested in the tourism
1: yeah, that, yeah. side
2: of thing, and they've yeah. looked at it from that side, and that's what they've addressed, and they've addressed it very well. I can't name your Portuguese over. There's a couple, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not stand out. No. Yeah. no, Portuguese Masters is when you see them because they get their invites. Yeah, there's a couple of the same with the Saudi Arabians. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of events in Saudi Arabia, and you'll see a couple of those. Well,
1: that we had uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago and obviously when we were in the South African swing. You yeah. saw so many South African names in the yeah. DP World Tour that you just Don't see. never heard of before no. in yeah. your life. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. <laughs> it's crazy to think they're about golfers on the world. they so mental. That's why. So, yeah. 2%. It's mental. Absolutely mental. So, we have a segment that we're Come to every now and again. It was meant to be a weekly segment, but. Uh, yeah,
1: but you, you run out of questions for yeah. each other. But we're going to try and make it going forward now for guests.
0: So, because so, the guest is back. Yeah. So, 10 questions. It's meant to be quick fire, but take as long as you want because we've asked it before. Ah, there's, there's, a there, couple, right?
1: there's a couple of questions in there that need some thinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, we'll start with question one, mate. So, we're going alternate, yeah? Yeah right question one this is easy I already know the answer to this one I don't know why you put it in links or parkland
0: links No. question two nine holes or 11 inch
2: nine holes fair
1: weather or all weather
2: fair weather now
1: (laughs) 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 you and I are the same now
0: (laughs) question four stroke play or match play match play
1: Right, first of the real long-thinking ones. Build your perfect golfer from any era from the categories of driver, irons, wedges, and putter. So starting at the top of the bag, driver.
2: McElroy. Irons. Fowler. <laughs> wedges. Savvy Ballesteros. Easy. Putter. is it Adam no it's not Adam Scott (laughs) you're
1: you're never going to get away from that Adam Scott is not a great Mm. (laughs) putter.
2: what's his name it's Christian McElroy
1: Brad Faxon you and I are the same you swine you stole my answer Brad Faxon I thought you might have gone Tiger
0: well (laughs) question six Jack or Tiger who is the greatest of all time (laughs) He's <laughs> he wants
2: <Nah, nah>, not <laughs> at all. I, I have to say, um, for me, it, it's Tiger because I think Jack was great, but you don't look at if if you look at television coverage and Jack wasn't in the top thirty, you never seen him on the golf course on the TV. Right. It, it does not matter whether um, Tiger Woods was the last last player in the in the field; television was still covering playing his shots. But well, and what he's done t- to the game taking it to level yeah. um
1: he was the right person at the right time cause the game, yeah.
2: th- even yeah. now you look at him now you know his ability is not there but someone well he's, he's the, the kind it, of golfer that you would still think at some stage in one of the tournaments he could still win it
1: yeah yeah fingers crossed he comes back from that ankle surgery yeah. and well, is able to even
0: play again Sodden says that he's be, he'll be playing golf and
1: I he's, think not, he's not, not going to play the PGA I, think, the he'll U- play, US I think he'll play the British Open Yeah, yeah. I think that's the yeah. one he'll come back for but. Yeah. Right, cracking on Question 7 Masters or the Open?
0: The yeah. Open Question 8 Favourite golf course? Donuck Oh, pitch. Okay. That's a real list by the way yeah. <laughs>
2: It's got to be one of the list I played Dornock in 1984 In their Open They have an Open every year by the way gentlemen Yes we're supposed yeah. to be talking we about know, that know. <laughs> yeah. I played Dornock in their Open And it cost me 5 quid Fuck off
1: Right, <laughs> so Question 9 Pet hate on the golf course My temper tantrums? <laughs> no no, no. They, I don't think exi- they don't exist that much anymore
2: Well I would have said prior to the new use of the app, people using phones.
0: There were Scottish golf apps But and now yeah.
2: with the way that the handicaps and everything are set up, phones are now a standard. Um, pet hate on the golf course now, inconsistency of bunkers. I think the sand levels need to be dealt with. It's an absolute. You've mentioned discipline. that before as well, didn't you? I think it's an absolute it's disgrace. D- it's, diffi-
1: it's difficult here to judge it by, because obviously we've got, our f- we're very, very fortunate that our membership has this multiple courses attached to it, but yeah. the closer you get to the water, the stronger the wind is therefore there's different sand in each bunkers to try
2: and it's not so much that is you get in a bunker and it can be an inch you get in another bunker and it can be three inches on the same golf course all mm. right i i you know we're specifying ball size, we specify clubs way that we hold the golf clubs and everything. i cannot understand why you know you can't turn around and say the maximum depth in a golf course is this.
1: But then, again, to that argument or that point, the Jubilee course here is the closest to the water, so it gets the, it gets the strongest wind. Depending on which way the bunker faces, some they may have to dump more sand in to keep it at least sand in the bunker. no they, they, the, they changed they change the they
2: change the sand <coughs> they change the sand for that course to stay in the golf in the, in there, but. They put more in it, um, just so that they didn't have to go out. I remember when I did my HNC in greenkeeping, when I worked for two years under Walter Woods on a voluntary basis. uh, My first job was a shovel and a
3: uh,
2: a rake at five thirty in the morning out on the old, and you redistributed the sand and then raked it accordingly. And if it wasn't good enough, you went back out and did it again. So the time that they may want to spend on it now probably Not as isn't much. there as much so all therefore i would, we'll all don't I would like it. to
1: do is start actually raking the sand to the front face so that when the ball hits the face and it doesn't just stay a foot from the face it actually rolls back to middle but that's
0: just my so what were you taught then when hmm? making a bunker I'm taught to rake into like I, push I, towards I, the center
2: you should but th- at the end of the day you want the ball you want the ball to have the opportunity to to do that but at the end of the day that's not how people rake now no no, no golfer gets the opportunity to learn how to rake a bunker if, if they rake it if they rake it look no,
0: you've always told me i was raking sort of yeah the center yeah. of the bunker itself eh? but all like you say people aren't yeah. doing that eh? <laughs>
1: anyway
0: oh, last question <sighs> yeah
2: is that was that nine was
1: it yeah that's uh you on to question
0: oh. 10. question 10 mate here comes the food bar.
1: give me No. From, from golfers
0: from golfers your dream four ball,
2: and I'm playing in it, so I'm obviously golfer number one. Yep. Okay, Fowler's golfer number two. Is <laughs> he? Yeah. All right, definitely. Fowler's Cardi number three. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Um, I'll say Seve Ballesteros. Yeah. Number three. Um. I, oh yeah, I'm gonna stay European. I'll bring the young boy in, McIlroy, fourth. I thought you might have gone Sandy Lyle no I think yeah, you know, I've got two stalwarts in there As Sandy I, you know, I've got a lot of time for Sandy and I think what Sandy did for golf and still does in golf you know and he bowed out in a reasonably good way this year um,
0: I don't know about that
2: no he bowed
0: out well <laughs> sorry I was waiting for him I was fucking raging eh, to be fair yeah
2: but at the end of the day safety, safety first the rules are the rules and you know and he asked they said no and that's the rules. So.
0: Was the time taken, though, between the actual clocks and going, him being told, then they're getting ushered off? Did you
2: could, see? did it, you yeah. see yesterday? It, someone posted on Facebook yesterday, right, there was a horse race over a thousand metres. And they had a 10 foot putt. <laughs> There's been so many things <laughs> come up, man. It's been unbelievable. I've got, oh, and
1: the I'm, horse race yeah. finished. And he's still had the ball. But he hadn't putted. Yeah. Yeah, guy, we've talked about this. The guy was recording him <sighs> while he was debating how to hit this shot between a, a tree, whichever way around And, 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 and they, were, they actually timed him, and he was over th- almost three minutes. My understanding is forty seconds that
2: they're set at forty seconds for when they arrive at the ball.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the rules.
2: Yeah, and yet he's saying, "Yeah, we're not playing in the municipal." You never play municipal. The golf courses that you play are never municipal no. standards. So don't tell me the municipal standards that you go to.
1: Fitzy sure. had it right. It's there for all to see. It gets slightly forgotten about maybe week in, week out because when you go to Cantley on the coverage they've, they've cut it so you only go to when he's right. one last wiggle and then he hits the shot so you think he's yeah. playing at normal speed. But as Fitzy said, it's there for all to see. He even last week admitted to it. All this yeah, he week he said he's, he's not he's going to change. He's
2: been, he, he says that. But, but, no, but like Fitzy says, no one is actually going to go and do anything about it. But he's never been put on the clock. That's the other thing. And in in that defence, when he made that statement, he's right. So the point being is, I don't think you've got to collectively look at it. I think you need to turn around and say, you need to play. What are the heads doing? What's the well? We've got to. We should be saying you shouldn't be playing at this level, this golf course. And that time can change, depending on the courses Mm -hmm. and the quality and and the level it is. Right, it could be four hours forty one week at this tournament. It could be five hours five minutes the next week. Yeah, but this is a perception that we want to play any golfing group. After that time, you're going to be penalised shots. Yeah, but
1: this, like there needs to be a consistency on it. But here, oh. thanks for going. Uh Gentle on me, no, I was say. gentle to be you, fair. Uh, you could have yeah. gone a lot worse because there's far more stories that I, I can recall. Than there's a
2: soft second in front of them, there's someone else to be fucking dealing, you. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> it's not so much that,
2: you know. Uh, depending on your podcast response, you might be asked to get me back on, and then in which case, I'll we will go hell for thing. fucking we, leather. We, we, we will
1: be politely <laughs> rejecting that request <laughs> on the basis that uh, you're gonna go hell <laughs> oh, for leather, yeah. but no, no, uh. Obviously we, we have mentioned you a lot on the podcast, so it's been great to get you we, on, have a chat. i have mentioned you maybe twice. Fuck <laughs> him. He's <laughs> my father, he's my golfing idol. Oh, so. Daddy? Yeah. Okay. No. That, 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 that word way. that word should never come out of your mouth again. Yeah. But yeah, so it's been great to get you on. It's obviously have a chat, get a bit about your background in golf. Enjoyed
2: it. It's been good fun. And uh, ah,
0: Thank you very much, mate. Do appreciate it um, yeah. We'll probably get you back on to Tom's Light. But yeah. Thank you very much. No. You
1: you can you can be a step in for me when I'm nah, somewhere not else.
0: The place from the comments. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no. Right. I think we'll wrap it up there, and we shall say goodbye, and we will see you again next week. Cheerie, bye's.